In his book, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life, Charles Stanley wrote, any water safety course will give you the same advice. Never try to swim out to a drowning man as long as he's thrashing about. To do so is to commit suicide. As long as that drowning man thinks that he can help himself, he's dangerous to anybody who will try to help him. He'll grab on to the one that's trying to help him, and he'll take them both down in the process. The correct procedure is this. Stay just far enough away and wait. When he finally gives up and he starts to go under, that's time to make your move. It's only at the point of surrender that the one drowning can receive any help at all. He won't work against you anymore. He will finally let you help. The same principle holds true when it comes to change in the church. Until we give up some old habits, we're not going to be able to see the change. Until church people quit working against God, there will never be any change. Until we are driven to be closer to God, there ain't never going to be no change. Until we have this incredible desire to worship him, to serve him, and to surrender to him, we will never be in a position to be changed for the glory of God. Change in the church begins with us accepting our responsibility. And our primary and most important uh, element of change is absolute surrender to God. We've got to get to the point where we are hands up and we let God do his work through us. In Genesis chapter 2, old Abraham teaches us a lot of lessons about change. Vital lessons, I believe, not only about change, but about surrender. And I believe if we'll learn these lessons about surrender, and more importantly, if we will apply these lessons about surrender, then God will empower us to change the corrupt and perverse generation we live in. To make a difference, the first lesson that Abraham teaches us in Genesis chapter 22 is that we must have surrendered ears who will hear God's voice. In Genesis 22, just the first two verses for now, the Bible says, Now it came to pass after these things that God 
tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And then God said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you have loved, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering to me on one of the mountains that I shall tell you. This little poem could well be said of Abraham. His thoughts were slow and his words were few. Maybe his brain was missing. But he was a joy to all his friends. You sure should have heard him listen. Hearing the voice of God is absolutely essential to surrender. Now, there are three requirements to discerning God's voice. Three requirements to hearing the voice of God. The first of which is, hearing requires a relationship. It requires a relationship. Abraham heard God speak his name. For you to hear God's voice, you must be in a relationship with him. Even the man after God's own heart, David, said in Psalm 51, Purify me now from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter as snow. Then you will hear me with joy and gladness. Friends, until you and I become righteous, and by the way, that don't mean perfect. Is there anybody perfect in here? Amen. Righteous doesn't mean perfect. Righteous means in a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. But until we become righteous, we will never, say never, we'll never have a surrendered ear that will hear the voice of God. We've got to be in a right relationship with him first. Hearing requires a relationship. But hearing also requires a readiness. Abraham showed his readiness by saying, Hey, here I am. Right here, God. I'm the man. I'm the one. There's another one, another prophet that said the same thing. His name was uh, uh, Isaiah. And when God called him, he said, God, here I am. Send me. I bet you Andrea Bevis had to answer that call, didn't she? Here I am. Send me. But neither one of those guys... Neither one of those guys knew beforehand what God was going to ask. But both said, Lord, I am ready for whatever you want me to do. Friend, are you ready for change? Are you ready to change this generation we're living in, yes or no? You ready? You ready? Anybody else ready? Who's ready to change this generation we live in? You ready to make a difference? You ready to make a difference in this generation we live in? If so, what are the fruits of your readiness? What are the fruits of your readiness? Are you making a sincere effort 
to communicate with God in prayer? Are you telling him what we need to make a difference? Are you, are you asking him what do we need to do to change this generation we're living in? Friend, is your behavior and your attitude toward other people becoming more like Jesus? Now, if you're honest with that one, it may sting a little. Are you turning away from sin? But get this, before you sin. That one hurts a little bit, don't it? That's a fruit of readiness, though. Is your faith growing? Or are you just standing still? All those are fruits of readiness. And if your answer to those questions is yes, then brace yourself, friend, because man cannot conceive what God will do through a person who is completely surrendered to him. But if your answer is no, then you're not ready. If your answer is no, you're not ready for change and you're not ready to make a difference. Hearing God's voice requires readiness. And the good news is, friend, is that if you're not ready, it's not too late. You can get ready. You can get prepared. And you can be the instrument through which God makes change in this generation we're living in. So hearing requires a relationship with God. Hearing requires a readiness. But hearing also requires a revelation. Did you hear the revelation of God to Abraham? He said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountain of which I shall tell you. He gave him a revelation. Friend, I read that revelation and can I tell you with all honesty, I didn't like it. I don't like the revelation that God gave to Abraham to go and kill your son. Here we got the first book of the Bible. In a very subtle way, God is laying out his plan to save mankind. Right here in the first book of the Bible, we see God talking about taking his only son whom he loved and whom he offered just like he was telling Abraham to do. We too, friend, have received a revelation. We have all we need in God's word for an incredible life here on earth, but also all that we need in this revelation for an eternal life with God in heaven. It's all right here, revealed for you, if you will only partake of it. You know, I've had a lot of experiences in my life. It's been a very short life, I understand that, amen? It's been a very young life, amen? Thank you, help, help a brother out here. But there's one thing that I found in my young life. I have found that I could have saved myself a whole lot of trouble. I could have saved myself a whole lot of heartache. 
I could have saved myself a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of disappointment, if I had just listened to the revelation of God. Friends, to change, to make a difference in this generation we're living in, you've got to be hearing from God. And that hearing requires a relationship. It requires a readiness. And friend, it requires a revelation. And praise the Lord, we have the revelation of God right here in print. And you can go to it anytime you choose. Hearing God's voice requires this revelation. But to make a difference, the second lesson that Abraham teaches us is that we also have to have not only surrendered ears to uh, hear the Lord, uh, the word of God, but we also have to have surrendered hearts prepared to obey God. Look at what happened in verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, and he saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. God makes three demands of the obedient, surrendered heart. The first of which is obedience demands willing hands. Here we have, after hearing God's voice, Abraham demonstrated, he did something, he demonstrated where his heart was by rising up early in the morning, getting his things together, and getting ready to go worship God. You did the same thing this morning. You got up early, and you got ready. You prepared yourself. Y'all looking real pretty this morning, by the way. Amen? Amen? Y'all looking good. You prepared yourself to come and worship God. Preparing for change, though, friend, is not only an individual endeavor. It's not just about you. Worship is not just about you coming to worship. God calls us to have willing hands to do something. Willing hands, friends, to prepare for the change in other people. Willing hands to prepare for folks that might come visit. Willing hands to help the children that might come to vacation Bible school or come to life group. Willing hands. Friend, extreme conditions call for extreme measures. It's not good enough for you to talk the game. You've got to have willing hands to participate in the game, so to speak. Can I tell you, friend, that the spiritual condition of most people right here in our community is going to eternally separate them from God in a place of torment called hell? That's the fact of the matter. That is the fact of the matter. My question to you is, is your heart surrendered to God? Is your heart surrendered to God? Will you demonstrate your obedience by preparing for and inviting those people 
to come and hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you do that? See, obedience requires willing hands. But obedience also demands faithful worship. It's interesting here that in verse 4, the Bible says on the third day. Do you know of anything else that happened on the third day? Jesus rose raised from the grave. It's just as interesting, though, to me, that Abraham told his servants that he and the lad were going over yonder. We talked about in Wednesday morning Bible study what yonder meant. Where's yonder? <laughs> What'd you say? What'd you say, Joan? It's a fur piece. <laughs> People in the South use yonder all the time, and it means over on the other side of that oak tree. Amen? A fur piece. He said, we're going over yonder to worship. See, what God called sacrifice, what we call discerning God's voice, what we call surrendering your heart in obedience, Abraham just called worship. We talked about this in our life group this morning. What is worship? Worship simply is honoring God with your faithful obedience. And the good news about worship is, is you can do it anywhere you want to. You can be an obedient servant anywhere on the face of this planet and thereby worship God. That's exactly what Abraham was doing. Obedience demands willing hands, but obedience also demands faithful worship. Finally, obedience demands a trusting heart. Look in verse 5 real quickly. Abraham told the men, we, say we, we are going to come back to you. Now, what in the world was Abraham actually expecting God to do? Was he going to resurrect Isaac on the third day? I'm convinced that he don't, didn't know what God was going to do. But he, listen to this. You're listening, say amen. It didn't matter because he trusted that God wanted to bless him, not hurt him. Amen? He trusted God that God wanted to grow him, not hinder him. He trusted God that God wanted to make him stronger, not weaker. He trusted that God wanted to be closer to him, not further away from him. He trusted God. Friend, can I tell you that God wants the same thing for you? He wants to be closer to you. He wants you to make, a, make you a stronger believer. He wants you to bless you. He wants to grow you. Just like he did Abraham. Friends, surrendered ears hear the voice of God. Surrendered hearts prepare themselves to obey. And the final lesson we learned from Abraham this morning is that if we're going to make a difference in this corrupt and perverse generation that we're living in, we're going to need surrendered wills that need to help. Go with me in chapter 22 and listen to verse 6. And so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife. And the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham and said to his father, My father. And he said, Here, my son. He said, look, we got the fire and we got the wood, but where is the lamb for the offering? And Abraham said, my son, 
God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. And so the two of them went off together. And they came to the place which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar. And he placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son. And he laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, again, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And so Abraham went, took up the ram, offered it up for the burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Here in those verses, we find several conditions that are necessary for surrender to take place in your life. The first thing is, surrender takes place with personal participation. Personal participation. Think about this. Up to this point, there has been no actual surrender taking place. But here, Abraham is personally participating in the building of this sacrifice. He's placing the wood below it. He's binding the sacrifice itself. And he's laying that sacrifice upon the altar. And now the moment of absolute surrender is upon him. The moment of absolute surrender also approaches you. Are you ready? Or absolute surrender. See, God calls every one of us in the book of Romans to present our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're to be a sacrifice yourself, a living sacrifice, a living surrendered sacrifice. For change to occur, for a difference to be made in this generation we're living in, you must personally participate. But for surrender to take place, you must also experience profound participation. Verse 10, Abraham stretched out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. In the book of 2 Samuel, King David once wanted to buy a piece of property. He wanted to buy that property so he could build, to, build an altar to the Lord on it. And when the man 
who owned the property found out what it was for, he said, oh, king, here, you can have it all. And I want you to listen to what David responded. David said, no. I will surely buy it from you for a price. For I will not offer God something that cost me nothing. Is absolute surrender going to cost you something? Yes, it will. Friends, absolute surrender goes beyond the call of duty. It means offering to God more than you ever have. It means participating in the purposes of God more than you ever have. And this perverse generation that we live in provides a lot of opportunity to give more than you ever have and to participate more than you ever have. And in doing that, you have two options. You can go halfway or you can go the extra mile. Go the extra mile and you'll meet, reach as many people as possible. I say we go the extra mile. Why do I say that? Because when God saw me in my deplorable state, he went the extra mile. When the Father saw me in my wretched condition of sin with no way out, he profoundly surrendered his Son. And when Jesus Christ saw me, in an utter state of hopelessness, he personally participated. And he gave all, he gave all he had to give. He gave his life. Just know, friend, that surrender takes profound participation. Say that five times. Profound participation. But here's the result when you get to that place. Surrender also brings powerful provision. Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. Up to this point, Abraham's done everything by himself. But now God steps in and God reveals his power. God sees that Abraham is absolutely surrendered to him and that he trusts him completely and that he's willing to give up his one and only son for the glory of God. You see, because of Abraham's absolute surrender, God provided the sacrifice. Friends, if each one of us would absolutely surrender to God, Bethel Baptist Church would see the most glorious manifestation of Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, that this generation has ever seen. 
The problem is, we're not there. We're not to that place of absolute surrender. Can we get there? I hope I'm not naive in thinking that we can. I stand believing by faith today that Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, will provide surrendered ears that are hearing the voice of God. I stand believing today that Jehovah Jireh will provide surrendered hearts that are prepared to obey. I stand believing today by faith that Jehovah Jireh will provide surrendered wills that are eager to obey. That's the only way, friend, we're going to influence and impact this corrupt and perverse generation we live in. So the problem is not so much them as us. Because if we're honest with each other, I'm not completely surrendered to God. I'm not absolutely surrendered to God with my ears and my heart and my will. But I've learned today that God provides through absolute surrender. And the good news is this, friend, is if you will surrender to the Lord Jesus, Surrender from this day forward to be his and his own.